少年ジャンプス Welcome back to Shonen Chumps, the only anime podcast on the gosh darn internet that features the three of us. As always, I'm Brennan. I'm Sean. I'm Dylan. And if you didn't know what we do here, we watch anime and then we hang out and talk about it. This week's episode is... On. Keep your dirty, tiny, grubby hands off a Zokin. Okay, cool. So, as always, you can reach out to us at shonenchumps at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at shonenchumps. And you can listen to us on Apple iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, everywhere. That's right. <laughs> okay, so guys, um, in one sentence, what did you think about Keep Your Hands Off, Isaacin? Okay, I'll start, um, as, as is tradition here. Um, my sentence is just the most endearing piece of anime that we've seen so far or that i've seen so far dot 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 but gosh darn those subs are fast period cool brennan i was expecting something good and i got something unbelievably great uh yeah as usual this is my question and i don't really have a sentence locked down but yeah, I think this is um, one of the best anime we've watched in our like podcast run, and it, yeah, yeah, it was just awesome. Also, the subs are incredibly fast. Yeah, that was maybe my one um, like, uh, I sound like an asshole, but like, man, I was like, man, I really wish I could have watched this in English. Like, but and only because sometimes I was like pausing. To, to read the uh, the subs uh, because it was just happening so fast and especially when they were kind of imagining things and there was those like all those like notes in the background kind of like of their created world where they're like oh yeah this UFO uses this to fly and like you know it's like all this background information like I wanted to read that so I would pause and kind of read read that stuff too uh, and so yeah there was a lot of pausing uh, that Dude. I had to do. I was pausing like every 10 seconds. I'm going on the record to say that it is impossible to watch the show without pausing if you're not a native Japanese speaker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can say I only paused it to look at the diagrams, but we'll get more into that later, I think. <laughs> at a certain point, like I kind of stopped pausing as much because I didn't want it to impede the flow of the show. And so I, right. I know that the, the diagrams things, I think, they are supplementary, and I think you're not supposed to read every little, like, thing. 
So I mean, yeah. So like sometimes I I kind of paused it momentarily to just get the gist of some things and then follow along. But like I always paused, obviously, because I didn't want to miss dialogue. So if I ever miss dialogue, I, I paused. Okay, here's here's the thing. Like, I totally get where you guys are coming from. Uh, but like I did want to read every tiny detail about this show because there's so much to say about how good and how rich this show is. This show is like literally packed to the brim and yeah, digesting it all in one go takes a lot. I did rewatch a bunch of episodes just to take stuff in like a second time and see if I was missing anything when I did catch little things here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to complain about this show out of the gate because holy fuck did I love this. It was amazing. Like, I think a couple weeks ago when Dylan said uh, Beastars was the best modern anime that we've seen for the podcast so far, my only thought was, I think the exact same thing, but about Izoken. Right. At that point, I hadn't even seen uh, Izoken, so. Yeah, how are we pronouncing that? Izoken? Yeah, because I, I thought Isaken? it was I thought it was Isaacin, uh until I heard Brennan say it like five minutes ago on the podcast on this podcast because the actual word is it like the Azokin's like a shortened form for Video Research Club, which is Azokenku Dokokai, which is the Film Research Club or like the Video Research Club, which is what uh-huh. their anime studio is essentially it's just the shortened version it's just an abbreviation it's like calling it the vid club instead of the video club okay gotcha okay so what were you guys expecting just off the bat like when you heard about this show because like all i knew was that um it was directed by masaki yuasa who did devil man crybaby and a bunch of other cool stuff um so i was just excited naturally to see what his studio uh, science saru had in store uh for us with their next anime that's really funny because something that uh someone if someone if i knew that this person made devilman crybaby i'd be a lot less excited because i would think like i'm gonna watch something really fucked up now uh right, but i knew yeah. nothing but, about like the anime. This, <laughs> again this is like an adaptation from a manga by Sumito Awara, but uh, right, it is. You can see Yuasa's flavor all over it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Now that you've like once you said it, I was like, oh yeah, that that kind of animation uh, style even does remind me of Devilman Crybaby. Yeah, for sure, because the characters aren't like shaded, which I really like. Yeah, that's their studio's like signature style. It seems is very kind of flat looking stuff but yeah it's very dope yeah i like it a lot fantastic yeah all i knew about the show i think brennan had mentioned it a few times as a show that we should watch uh when it finished to record a podcast for so i knew it must have been good uh i think i'd heard about it a bit on the internet just in headlines about how good it was and then i was listening to an episode of the easy allies podcast or something like that where uh one of the guys there said that the pod or said that the show was very very good and that it had a sympathetic view towards producers, which I realized that it very much does. There's like no shows that go into like the the plight of being a producer or a good producer. Right. Cool. 
Yeah, even amongst like the shows that are about making anime or like anime about anime, it's always the actual animators or like the artists, but we don't really see too much of the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Actually, we do see it a lot in Shiro Bako. Now that I'm thinking about it again, like that show is literally all about like a female producer running around and wrangling people trying to get the best animators to do the best stuff. But it's more like the personality of that main character would be like Mizusaki in this one, the rich girl being mm-hmm. like the the cheery producer running around to everybody. So it's definitely got a different dynamic. Um, but it actually is a very similar show. Like it's about a group of four friends who who are all girls who like grow up to make anime. And like some of them are voice actresses. Some of them are producers. Some of them are animators, which is, yeah, it's interesting. That's but super not, cool. Not as charming as this show. Right, because, yeah, you mentioned Shirobako a couple times on the podcast. Um, so I was a bit surprised because like, I had no idea what this was about. So I was, I was really surprised to see that this it was about making anime. And then I, I thought about it. I was like, didn't Sean recommend an anime that was about making anime? And I was like, it wasn't this, though, because this is new. But I wasn't oh, sure. For like, yeah. for, like, over five years, Shirobako was the best anime about this. But now this is out, and I guess it's better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing. After Sean's recommendations for Shirobako, it's pretty high at the top of my to-watch list. And, like, like, when I started this, I did not realize it was about making anime at all. Even, like, within the first couple episodes, even, I didn't realize it was about making anime specifically because... um, They don't really solidify their club until a couple episodes in... Uh, I was just kind of, first of all, the world design, like the design of their town is is so interesting and whimsical and beautiful. And it looks uh, like something that's completely out of like a fantasy novel or like a Ghibli movie or something. It's like one giant Howl's Moving Castle, but with like greenery and shit. Um, that's the one thing I wanted to bring up about this show that was like the the greatest thing besides like the lovable characters was like just the level design of the city. Yeah. Like, all the it's different beautiful aesthetics that it has like crammed into a specific area and all the like weaving passageways and weaving alleyways that go into each other. Remind me of that stupid city in final fantasy 15 and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. The one that's like modeled after Venice or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's so interesting, but at the same time they sell it so well as like an average kind of town like a place where real people live almost like with all the tiny environmental details um which i guess we'll talk about in further depth but like i think right off the bat something that really kind of impressed me about the show is that it almost felt like it was a show that's made entirely to appeal to artists like it wasn't scared of isolating some of its viewers with how deep it's willing to go into like design and like design ideas and stuff that I don't know generally a lot of people don't think about um and like maybe a lot of people wouldn't find fascinating like people love watching anime and seeing like cool action and animation and stuff but like the nitty-gritty of it can be kind of dry sometimes and the fact that they're willing like just within the first couple of those like weird like uh, surreal sequences where um, they have like the dragonfly ship and like we're seeing some of Asakusa's designs and stuff like that and she's explaining like why things work like that's that's something that's 
true to life, like in real concept design, in like real environment design, like you need to be answering reasons why things are the way they are and like superimposing like reality on top of um like fantasy like okay it's a dragonfly um airship personal helicopter or whatever but how does it work and she has reasons for all of those things and like like we were talking about like 10 seconds ago where we would have to pause and look at those design documents to catch every tiny detail i made sure to do that for every single one of these because I wanted to see how far they were willing to go, and the answer is really fucking far. Uh, yeah, the show does a good job at showing you what it's like to be an amateur at something just getting started out. Because when you're an amateur and you say, like, hey, I want to get into, like, I don't know, concept art or game design or fucking, like, painting, um, you think that you know a lot more than you do know. There's, like, a lot of unknown knowns or known unknowns before you jump in, and then you're hit with a wall and you realize how many things you don't actually know. And then, like, the mountain of things that you need to learn, like, grows steadily in front of you, and it's, like, really intimidating. Um, and this uh, show does a great job at showing that and how you need to, like, think through the process of how everything is made. Because, like, just say you, you want to get into painting before you're a painter, you just think like, oh yeah, you just like throw random shapes out there and make a cool looking pose and then your painting is going to be awesome. But then you don't realize that there's all these like roadblocks in the way that every painter before you has had to like think about and mull over before they make any good piece of art. And you also need to learn all of those fundamentals before you can make anything worthwhile. Right, yeah. That foundational knowledge is key because if you don't, have anything to build off of like you can't like that's the thing it's like with every yeah amateur creative human um like you want to be doing the things that your idols are doing or like the people that you look up to are doing but you don't realize that like they're bending and breaking rules that they've known for so long uh and that they've used as a foundation to sort of build themselves up to that point which is like actually interesting when we get to our characters like Asakusa, Kanemori, and Mizusaki, like they all start off from a point where they're like very skilled. Like to the like in the first episode, we see um, Asakusa just kind of sketching out the layout of uh, the school, and like she's kind of pitching her idea to Kanemori, um, uh, like that she wants to like set something here like she's got like designs or whatever and like they're really good already they're all like she's an excellent artist um, dude not just that but fucking kanamori is one of the best producers i've ever seen yeah 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 she's got dude i've met people like three times her age who can't do half as much as she's done <laughs> in yeah, real it's, life <laughs> it's pretty bonkers um but it does make like a very interesting dynamic like we're so used to seeing characters who want to do um something great like i don't know in every shonen anime for example um but like yeah they're starting from zero and it's about them like learning and yada yada but like with this show it's more about like mastery and on top of that like it does shed a lot of light on like the real Japanese animation industry and like it has some pretty strong commentary on uh like things that 
are like like systems and foundations that are in place as of right now that aren't working uh and like real challenges that animators and creative people face like as a whole right yeah i think that the the show is like it's mainly about the production process and like being a producer because yeah there's a lot of creative segments which are like the big whimsical painty like (laughs) watercolory um segments of the show but it's mainly about the logistics of getting something done. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, you know, in, in terms of, like, your comparison to a shonen, that's, like, <clears throat> that's about, like, personal growth or, like, oh, this person's getting better, whereas this is is this is a celebration of creating anime, right? Or, like, what it is, not about getting better to make anime. It's It's a celebration of what it is. And that is just, like... Man, that that's like one way to hook me really easily. Any way to anything that celebrates like film or art, like that, like is about making it and like the creative process is just really like that. Always kind of interests me, and they they did it in a really good way because, like you said, like a lot of these, like they go really deep into the the production of anime, and like I don't know, you're like learning along the way. Like I, I mean, I was learning more about the process like through the show and like i already kind of understood it for for a little bit but it's really easy for this kind of thing if the way uh like this information to be dry but they they do it in such like a really good way because these characters are so lovable and because they're like young kids and they're kind of uh so bright-eyed about the whole thing and they're just like really excited about anime it makes you get really excited about like simple things i i wrote down that uh, I got hooked. Like I really started to love the show when they were discussing how to make the windmill moving uh, look realistic, right? And like I don't know, that seems like it could just be like on paper. That seems like it could be just such a boring thing, right? Or like such a weird thing to like hook you. But like that really hooked me because they were really excited about it. And uh, I don't know, it was just like that. Dude. That kind of uh, excitement is just like kind of contagious you know what i mean yeah i agree completely like it's um like any time like it's so funny because um asakusa who essentially acts as like the director of their studio but is also like their environment artist um she's got her own like crazy spiral of stuff that she's obsessed with in terms of design like all of her mechanical designs and all of her like environment designs and yeah mizusaki is super also like obsessed about um the way people move and characters um sort of like exist on screen and like that's a thing man it's they do it in such a cool way um like they they express these characters passions in ways that are like so engaging for the viewer like you're just hooked you're just along for the ride the entire time like and also they're making nods to really cool shit along the way uh just like all over the show it's just i've I've got so many examples scattered through my notes but like while we're talking about um like the character motions being interesting do you remember the part i think it might have been episode three when they're talking about how animators have like a sword beside their desk um yeah they so use cool. it to pose and stuff like it's funny because in that sequence they cut away 
to uh, like a sketch, like an actual animation of Ogami Ito from Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's a deep cut. Also very nice. Um, Is that a character? Or yo, I was about to say, that's such a deep cut that I have no idea what you're talking about, Brennan. Okay, so... Ogami Ito is like the main character of the film series and manga series uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which is like a samurai uh, Chambara series, essentially. There's six films and like a bunch of volumes of the manga, and it is fucking excellent, all of it. Um, and like they literally had the exact, like a drawing of the actor Tomisaburo Wakayama. Um, doing all those sword motions or whatever like they could have drawn any samurai it could have been any samurai but that was like a heavy nod um and then like later on when they're doing their second production and um they've got like sketches for like a giant robot a lot of the robot parts are nods to other famous giant robots like there's clearly like a leg that belongs to a zaku from gundam or like an arm or a hand that looks like it came off of an Ava or whatever. Um, I don't know. They just, they execute so well uh, throughout the show and it's, it's fantastic. Oh yeah. Sorry guys. Something that I wanted to bring up, which when you guys were talking about the world, um, did you guys get fully Cooley vibes at any point? Dude, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, good. Not just not just original Fooly Cooly, but the Fooly Cooly installment that none of you guys have seen, Fooly Cooly Three, that has four female characters all like chilling out and hanging out, felt oh, a shit. lot like this. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, because like even I mean th- that's a that's a alternative, right? The one I think that you're it's referencing. Uh, oh, no, okay. you know, no, I, I think it's alternative. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure we saw progressive. Um. Yeah, no, I got, like, such vibes from it. Just, like, I, I like, you guys were talking about, like, the, the town specifically. Like, I, I got those kind of vibes. Like, it's, like, it's this town where it's, like, it's, like, secretly special. Like, I don't know, because, like, because it just felt like such a unique setting. And uh, we're situated on these, like, these young characters. Like, it, it, I got those vibes. And then there's, like, some, there's, like, a soundtrack, or there's, like, a, uh, a song in the soundtrack that felt very fooly cooly to me. I actually I thought, exactly like, about. I was like, did the pillows write this too? Because, like, it felt super uh, fully cooly to me. And that was, like, really very much uh, appreciated. Like, it was, like, a really nice um, parallel for me to to think about uh, while watching this show. Because it, it, it did always feel like that this was not just a regular town. These were not just regular characters. Like, there's something special about this place something magical about this place and i think fully cooly gives gave me those vibes as well um yeah yeah for sure like it's definitely the painted or like the watercolor backgrounds at times gave Mm -hmm. me that sort of washed out feeling that we got from the environments in um fully cooly and yeah for sure that like guitar lick that like shows up every time yeah like the thing is i was waiting for it to drop the entire time i was like oh when's it gonna start rocking but like it it kind of doesn't it just kind of like peters out a little bit and i was like ah yeah i guess it can't all be the pillows riff that's like yeah and that too man if it ever dropped i'd probably lose my mind i'd be so excited i was i was waiting for it and it didn't happen but like you know what i like 
this flavor also. Like, yeah, no, I like where it was at because it it was it was subtle. It was almost like yeah, 100%. yeah, just like a subconscious thing that makes you like think back on that. And I don't know, just it it just yeah, it, it lent itself to the vibe like super well. And like kind of any time the right. lick came in, I got like really excited about it. Yeah, because um, it was usually at a hype moment when somebody yeah, had a good idea. Where yeah. they're like looking off into the sunset at like the town, the crazy town. Yeah. Actually, on that note, while we're just talking about music, I gotta say, I absolutely loved the opening song. And like, um, listeners of the show yes, who have listened dude. to the last like couple episodes, you probably know right now that I have a broken arm. Uh, but it was like really hard not to like thrust my arms in the positions of them like dancing. So like while good. it was happening and i like i tried I trying to because i just got like so into it every time it it, it played oh, oh i just God. remembered one of the places that i heard about the show first oh so um i'm in this uh this facebook group for twin peaks fans that just posts memes like dumb memes about the show all the time you guys are probably in this facebook group too yep we are yes <laughs> and uh i saw an image of uh asakusa in doing her weird arm pose from the the opening of the show, and it just said "See you again in 25 minutes." <laughs> oh wow! So oh. That's like when I first saw one of the characters from the show. It was very that's funny. amazing. That's pretty good. I got to say, that's I'm really good. happy to know that someone who's watching Ezuken is also watching Twin Peaks. That's great. Me too. Adds up. Adds up. Makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, dude. The opening fucking rules. Kelmico which is the rap duo who did the song uh fucking rule uh oh shit now I they're a rap it. duo yeah they're a rap duo oh. um yeah they've got a lot of good music um i would recommend their album power sick um but yeah they absolutely slapped the intro and fun fact one of the guys who did a bunch of the animations for the intro, uh, if not the main dude at uh, Science Saru, took inspiration from some of Drake's dance moves. Uh, yeah, that is hilarious and makes a it lot of sense. It all comes around. It always comes back to Drake. Yep. To Drake. <laughs> There's no escaping. Top five. Top five. Top five. Oh my god. Also, I just want to say that. Uh, if any of you guys, any of our listeners, if you've seen the 2C slide video, uh, tell us what you think about that. Because I think we all think that Drake's house is very tacky. <laughs> yeah. It's, Back to uh, the yeah, show. It surely was not designed by Asakusa. <laughs> yeah, it looks like some fucking jank ass, like Final Fantasy 7 environment, remake environment. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that I knew what that looked like. Um. So, yo. <laughs> I've got to talk about, I think we should talk about the stages that we watch the Azokin go through throughout this show because they work on three different productions and all three of those end up being sick. Um, but not just the final product, but like every thing that leads up to it. And like, I think the first one uh, culminates at the, uh, like with the scene uh, where they're talking to the student council and trying to get uh, legitimized. Yeah. That entire scene, I think it was episode four, was amazing. First of all, it was hilarious. It was very funny, um, and it was paced very well. Uh, 
And I like how they have an entire club that is dedicated riot police. Yeah, um, the security club. It's really fucking I love funny. it, dude. I, yeah, I made a uh, note of that, too. I was like, oh, my God, there's a security club. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Just the presentation of that whole episode was amazing, especially when they worked in, like, that weird bending reality element to the audience experience of their final product, which was like beautiful to look at, like, Oh, like the audience getting whipped in the face by wind or like hearing stuff hat, like shit collapsing in uh, the theater that they're in as stuff is collapsing in the movie. I don't know. I thought the way it was cut. I thought the way it was executed was immaculate. Yeah, I guess they had to do something because, like, to us, the entire show is 2D, just like what they're watching on screen. So they needed to, like, fuck with us somehow, which is why I guess they have that elaborate production and all the characters in the audience are, like, asking if it's 4D or something. Right. Right, yeah. I just liked that um, this kind of, like, the fantasy that they're all imagining. Like, first, I was saying, like, I loved that all three of them are imagining it together kind of initially when they're talking about ideas, like even Kanamori, who's like kind of less concerned with like the anime. Initially, she's just like, this is like a good way to make money. She says like something like that, like early on. Um, but I just like that. Yeah. Like the audience was uh, experiencing the fantasy too. It kind of just like lent itself to like the um, kind of like the transformative power of like good art, you know? You know, when 100%. you like you watch something that really moves you like that, that the fact that they were experiencing like the things coming at them, it just felt kind of, um, yeah, like thinking about like when you see something that really like moves you and it was like a cool way to show that physically, like in the show that like it, it yeah. like it deeply touched everyone. Like I really, I really enjoyed that for sure. Um, I also really liked the title of the, the first anime. Uh, their first episode or their first short called it's called hold that machete tight very sick right yeah Yeah, holy fuck and even their logo it's like very like 30s disney or something like with like the film and like the little walking animation so cool you know what's funny about that is that's a nod it's a nod to science saru's actual logo which is a monkey that walks with those exact same feet in that exact same way (laughs) Oh yeah, another thing. Um like moving on to the next thing that they work on, which is the giant robot anime. Um something like one of the scenes that I had to take a note about because it was so funny was Asakusa and Mizusaki bonding and getting emotional with the head of the robot club or the <laughs> Yeah. I was I almost said Gundam Club, but I think the quote was um every night i cry in the bath thinking about how big the universe is and every night before i go to bed i try doing a hadoken and then yeah oh yeah that was um, funny yeah and then the fucking president's like every time i sit on the toilet i pretend i'm piloting a gundam uh and in the background kanamori's just like why are you like fraternizing with the enemy yeah no i have the quote it's i have huge problems with people who solve problems with emotional appeals because they're all crying and they shake hands (laughs) and she's just in the background so good honestly i think 
Kanemori is one of my favorite characters, period. Just like ever. Yeah, I, I yeah, agree. Like, I mean, great. she she uh, she was my favorite character in the show. She was just so funny and like such a boss. Like Sean said, she's just like the best producer ever. And uh, it's really yeah, just dude. cool seeing her just like kick ass and kind of just like run shit. And like anytime they're like worried about something, she's like, it's not a problem. I'll do this. Like kick ass quite literally sometimes. Like she goes and blackmails people and like close to the end she saws through a door and like god damn she's such a badass and she's <laughs> just so evil it's so funny um kind of and like what's hey. dude yes like that's the thing it's like early on so like the japanese word for money is okane and i was like kanemori kanemori and then later on that's the joke I like when she's on her phone and she turns around to the other girls and says, there is nothing fun about social media. Right. I think I <laughs> screenshotted that, actually, because it was so funny to me. I did, too. Man, it's, yeah. it's fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that whole part was really cool. It's like, it's, it's interesting because up until now, I don't know about Shirabako. Maybe Shirabako addressed it to some degree, but like... Social media is a huge part of marketing, period, in any industry. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're doing something creative that you need to sell, social media is a part of it. Um, and, like, it sucks. It fucking sucks. But it's a necessary evil. Yeah, it, but it's, like, it's cool the way um, she just, like, kind of takes charge of it. Like, she knows what to do. Like, she... Even if it's a necessary evil, she like knows how to manipulate uh, social media in in their uh, in their favor to get the the thing made to get the animes made. But it's it's right. really cool, yeah, like, like the extent that she goes. Like when they're selling the robot anime, she holds up a sign that says like "candid photos of of uh, <laughs> of Mizusaki." Like, and yeah, that's like that's like the, the bonus. And, like, I pause because it's so funny. They're just, like, there's, like, one of her playing with the sword, one of her drawing, one of her, like, falling asleep. Uh, it's really it's good. It's so silly. Yeah, like, it's a that's the thing. It's like, like, Mizusaki does not... I mean, she's famous and she knows it, but, like, she doesn't necessarily know... Like, she's kind of naive in a way that she doesn't, like, really sell herself using her fame. Um, but... Yeah. Kanemori is like so fast to jump on that and be like we're using you you are our mascot now and she's like I don't want this to be about me and then Kanemori's like no uh, but we're not going to make any money unless it is so suck it up yeah I mean use whatever you got I like how near the end they make a Kanemori seem more human by showing her get sick like even she can overwork herself which is cool right actually I mean on yeah, that, that note really they kind sweet. of they kind of gave every each of the three characters like a like a uh, a flashback into their backstory, like showing like how they became the way they are. Like they show how Kanemori was like working hard for her uncle and aunt's uh, like general store, and uh, and like Mizusaki like getting really obsessed with just like motion and like loving the idea of like animation and, and recreating motion and those kinds of things. And obviously, the show starts with Asakusa as a kid getting like transfixed by an anime and realizing like how cool it is that someone makes her anime. Uh, 
which I, I really appreciated those 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 things. Yeah, dude, Mizusaki even fits in the like the shot of her grandmother throwing the tea into the beginning of I think their robot anime. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was so sweet. Oh yeah, the the one thing I was gonna say was about uh, or the one thing that was weird was because uh, like they're like fourteen, so it's weird that she's like a celebrated model that like people want to meet. That was weird, right? You got to think about how everything <laughs> in Japan is aged down like seven years. Right. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Yeah, that was the only thing that I was like, huh, what? Everybody in Japanese media is like 10 years younger than you think that they should be or are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dylan, all I'm grateful in the show is the fact that there's a whole bathhouse scene that isn't sexualized somehow. Yeah, um, that actually wow, that was like... something that, that I was going to say was really great, um, which we haven't talked about, is that there are, this, this, this show is led by women, and most of the uh, supporting cast are also women, so that's like a really, really cool thing, like you don't really see that in anime as much, or like I don't, I don't know, I don't know how many we've seen like that, maybe just like Kino's Journey, and uh, yeah. Violet Evergarden. Uh, Magisbride kind of sucked, so I'm not even going to count that. Um, but yeah, it was cool to just have these like these female characters, and they're not sexualized in any way, and it's about their dreams and aspirations. Like I felt like this was this is like a really important uh, anime to make, and like subject matter to make, and uh, it was just like super sweet that something was made that way, and they didn't resort to. Like sexualizing them, even in in the in the bathhouse scene. Like in that bathhouse scene, it's just like a means to end for them to like fantasize more about like these like underwater like waves and like cool things happening there. And then they just like eat and chill. It was like really sweet. Yeah, yeah, actually, for sure. Bringing up Kino's journey made me think of you know because you know in Kino's journey, I think for a certain point we weren't sure if Kino was a man or a woman. Yeah, like that was confusing. But that right. reminded me of a character in this show, Parker Domecki, the audio um, club person, who I'd seen in like two episodes and thought was a dude, but is actually a girl. Yeah, you're right. right I was yeah. unsure uh, of what uh, if whether or not she was male or female. But I am excited that she is a brown character. Dude. Dude, yeah. I actually like took a note. I was like, "Wow, a brown character! I'm so excited!" Yeah, man. So like, throughout this entire show, we see so many colored characters. Like while we're speaking about um, like representation, I that was immensely cool, and it also ties into kind of like to a certain degree what the show is about because like Asakusa has this sort of. Um, realization through the show and like through her environment and she pulls like stuff from her real life and applies that to how she decides to direct her short films or whatever and that's kind of true to life because um the mangaka sumito awara actually attended a racially diverse uh, public elementary school and huh she worked that into her own media that she ended up making. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's incredibly dope. That is really cool. And even, uh, just, just mentioning, uh, Parker now, um, 
it was really cool that even the supporting characters, because they're all in these clubs, like the whole thing just felt like a real like love letter to just like celebrating what you're passionate about, like what you're excited about. Like the fact that there's a security club is kind of is like funny also, but because it just shows like all these clubs, they, they go over some of like the clubs, like there's a club that's just like interested in like carbohydrates or something. That's the best club. Yeah, and yeah, it's just like dude. really like cute and sweet that it's just like overall it's a celebration of just being excited or about what you're interested in, which like I really thought was like really nice. And like this uh this uh like the audio club has all of these different recordings and she's so passionate about maintaining them. And there's a lot of scenes where she's just recording stuff like there's a scene that I love in uh, in episode uh, eleven where the security club storms the Isaacin uh, to, right, to arrest yeah. to shit. arrest the club that's good that was going to make the DVDs for them. And when it pans out, you see that she uh, that like Parker's recording like while it happened. And I just kind of like love those like little details that is just like she sees this as like a cool sound effect. And so like it doesn't matter what's going on; it's like something to capture. Uh, I really liked that. Yeah, I really for liked sure. the attention to details, like stuff like that, that really kind of builds on the characters. And it was very much like, okay, what would this character do in this situation? And it like totally made sense. It wasn't just funny; it was true. Right. Yeah. That's right, really yeah. interesting. I don't think I noticed that happening in that scene when I watched it, which is cool. It takes me back to being in university myself and having to walk around with a stupid boom mic and <laughs> record yeah! sound effects myself. Yeah, God, I went to a weird program everybody i to be fair it was yep. like it was like film television and radio production so it did make sense that we had to do recording things it did feel stupid though because it's like do people really do this yeah but it was like really cool actually yeah i remember taking like a, a post-production sound class and like going out and just like into the city or like i went to like into like forests and just like recorded sounds and it's like really it's like a really cool thing to do it's like it's, it was really cool to see someone so passionate about that 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 was like her thing like she was just going to forage for some sounds and like they went to that abandoned uh building with like the english brick build or something they said uh with the uh with the big clock tower and like she was just going to record uh sounds there and like it wasn't something like she didn't even want all those guys to come with her. It was just like something that like she wanted to do. I really like that. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's uh, it's really cool how they give this entire school and just everyone in it life. Like I think my favorite episode might have been episode eight, where uh, they're doing. I think it's a festival, and then that's where they have uh, the screening of their robot fight. Movie. Yeah, that was my favorite episode too, actually. Yeah, it's just like, it's just done so well. Like, it's start to finish, it's just interesting. Um, they have like Mizusaki's parents being like a looming threat uh, at the beginning, and then it kind of comes full circle at the end when they sort of accept uh, and they realize they kind of put the puzzle pieces together and they see, like, oh, like throughout her life, she's been interested in this thing, and that's how she's applying her interest to her career path um and like yeah it's just another one of those like you said it's like it's about people being passionate 
and uh yeah and you also get little taste of everybody else's passion too because there's so many other clubs and uh it's just funny front to back yeah yeah that that episode also has a lot of just kind of like funny uh different segments um that are almost just kind of like winks to other other like genres like there's kenamori uh helping well like when mizusaki is running away Mizusaki, i don't know how to say it is running away from the student council and kenamori's on like a rooftop directing her how to go like she's like all right turn this way turn this way it was very like kind of like a, like a spy movie or something like yeah like directed, a heist but... movie yeah Maybe mission impossible yeah 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 i was trying not to say mission impossible but yeah <laughs> that's like exactly what i was thinking about uh and then like a bunch of people in the robot suit so you don't know who's who and then Ono, the guy from, like, the president of the Robo Club, he's making a run and he kind of, like, diverts their attention. So they start chasing after him. But while he's running, he has a microphone or something and he's, like, kind of, like, announcing what he's doing. He's going, like, dun dun dun. Right. Like, and doing stuff <laughs> like that. He takes, like, a zip line. It's like, there's a lot of just, like, really funny uh, segments in that episode. And because of that, because they're, like, running all around, you get a, you get a feel for the Culture Festival, too. And, like Brendan said, you see some of the other clubs. And right, it, yeah, it was yeah. just like really sweet. And it, <laughs> it, it, it once again lended itself to this whole kind of feeling like this town, this city is like really unique and special. Uh, right. Yeah. Like Kanamori blackmails the air conditioning club to lowering the temperature. Dude, that was so, so funny because initially you don't know what they're talking about. There, she's like 16, <laughs> like 18. <laughs> and she's like, I said 16. And then you see them lowering and they're like sad. They're like, oh, what have we done? oh god the fact that there's an air conditioning club like it's so so funny man it's amazing oh man yeah for the show they're like what what are they making a live action version of it soon and they have like a mini series leading up to like what is it the movie or the main series it's really dumb what we really need instead of live action is a video game version i want to be walking through the tight hallways and corridors of that city that all weave together like a Dark Souls game. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, this. What's the deal with this live action thing, though? Because like I did hear about it. Um, or actually, on that note, like is is this kind of like a one and done anime? Yeah, or is there more coming? Self contained. Okay, I cool. I I really that. liked the way it yeah. ended, and I I I liked uh, I I I I think it was kind of perfect the way it was. So. I mean, yeah, I, I'm wondering sure. about this live action thing. Like, I'm wondering how it will go. I mean, like, Dylan, you know sure. how all the characters in this show were 14 and we had that bathhouse scene that you were upset with because you didn't get what you want? Well, now... Wait, what? I'm, I'm joking. Oh, okay, I was like, wait. Uh, everybody in this, in this live action thing is a, is a pop idol. Oh, really? Yeah. You're aged up, baby. It's so okay. weird, though, because it's like... Asakusa is like a tiny little goblin. Why are you gonna go and cast her as like a like an, a literal idol? Like it it strips all the charm away. It it just makes all of these characters that are so distinct and unique basically into the idea of Mizusaki, which is weird. Yeah, yeah, it's wrong. Kill it, kill it with fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not a fan. But also, like, I'm very surprised that this is popular enough that someone greenlit a live adaptation of it and was like, yeah, this is going to make money. People are going to watch this. Yeah. And they must have greenlit that before the anime had even, like, started. Right, right yeah, because it's coming out relatively soon. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it I think it got a bit delayed because of the uh the coronavirus from what I what I've heard. Uh but maybe dun, dun, dun. <laughs> strikes again. But yeah, you know, I I agree with you that I liked where the show ended off. Like I thought the finale was pretty great and um it was kind of just a moment for the animators to flex basically. Uh with that final movie like it's it's just the best looking thing of all the things arguably um is that when you see the camera panning out towards the whole globe and you see the like all the anime they made throughout the show like yeah it gets real crazy yeah, yeah that was cool. real real wild yeah like the final message of the show is just like keep striving to be better right because whatever we make we can just make a better version i mean right <laughs> yeah i love that like Asuka, like, Asakusa looks out her window when everyone's watching this at home or whatever, and, like, you know, the show started off with her being like, I want to create the greatest world. Like, I want to make the best thing I can imagine into someone's reality the way uh, that the anime I watched when I was younger was, like, an amazing, beautiful reality for me. And then she looks out the window, and then she's seeing this, this apparition of like the the shanty town buildings or whatever that were in the UFO film like be seen by everyone and kind of rise up out of the the earth but like it's still not enough she's still like yep this is good but we got to keep going and i think that's like just the attitude of anyone who creates anything or it should be the attitude it's like you should never be satisfied with your work i mean like obviously you should be proud of yourself uh when you put work in and you achieve things and you improve but uh an artist's work is never finished right oh i was just gonna say at the end of the fair in episode eight she says that the video that they made was only 20 percent good so yeah that makes sense right you always have that like view of the work that you're putting out there that yeah. other people probably don't have i mean unless they hate you <laughs> yeah it was really cool the way um because they do these kind of long cutscenes where they show what they produce, like they it, the anime that they make that that we see has like its own distinct style from the look of the show, and it was it, it's it's very uh, cool to see how they balance these different styles within the anime because there's there's like the world like there's what's happening with them, and then there's like their fantasy which is like the more watercolory like rough lines and things. And even sometimes the transitions were really cool between them. Like for example, in, I think in episode uh, 11, there's uh, the scene where uh, Asakusa is, is, um, is she just thinks of a new plot for a new anime. Like when they're at that, that clock tower and right, when yeah. it happens, uh, the 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 other three uh, characters, the other three friends, they're like they're playing like the bad guys who come to fight her, and then um, Kenamori like rips off the like the watercolor mask, and it's just like her regular face, and she's like, yeah, but you gotta like finish. You can't come up with a new plot. You have to finish your the plot of the anime we're working on so right now. So funny, yeah, oh, man. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's like. We got the enforcer over here keeping our fucking dreamy art type in check. Yeah, like all these characters are are so 
so good and so like fleshed out and like I don't know it makes when they react and they do these situations it's like it's just perfect like they react exactly as you like them they're all so unique that kind of everything they do becomes like that much funnier when they do it like the way uh Kenamori and Asakusa bounce off each other is like a really funny relationship because like she's Asakusa is just like you know this this big dreamer who's always think, thinking of new ideas but but like a producer has to rein her in and like that's what she does and uh it just like makes for like a really uh sweet dynamic it's funny that she says like they're not friends they have like a coexistence she like says that's they're what they're com- <laughs> all three She's- of them say that they're comrades with each other which kind of upsets me but like i get it but like i don't know i don't like hearing people not call each other friends that's absurd. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wait, but like what what they were hinting at is that they're more than friends. It's not like it was a knock on their friendship or something. Right. But they don't say like, we're not just friends, we're comrades. They, <laughs> they say, say we're not no, friends. we are not friends. We're comrades. Right. That's, <laughs> honestly, that's probably like a like a sub issue because in like what they literally said they they used the one piece word they used nakama which is like you know you don't you don't call people your nakama it's weird you wouldn't go up to someone who's your friend and be like yeah we're nakama right because it's i don't know um it's it's like a more uh serious term of endearment so like the insinuation is like oh we're in the trenches together like we are like more than just like passing acquaintances or whatever so it didn't. Right. It didn't bug me. Uh, just one small thing I wanted to bring up is, um, like I wanted the anime to like escalate in coolness. Maybe they did on like an animation perspective, but I thought the robot thing in the middle was cooler than the coexistence thing at the end. I don't know. Did anybody else feel that way? We like yeah, built like... towards a less spectacular anime than we had in the middle. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, that's a good point. I I probably agree with that. I even really liked the the tank, the girl against the tank. Yeah, for sure. I I think the idea of the tank was the coolest idea. Um, and then the robot looked the best. And I think, yeah, I definitely agree. At the end, like they definitely went all out with the literal animation of it because there was a lot going on and it was very crazy to watch that entire episode but um for the meaning they were going for i didn't it didn't like hit me even though like it was explained completely in their process of making it uh when i watched it i was like wow i'm very happy that they walked us through what every single part of this meant because if i just watched this in a vacuum like if this wasn't part of a show and that short was literally just a short that existed in the world and I watched it, I would be so confused and it would just yeah. be like an abstract piece <laughs> yeah, of art. Sure. I'd be like, did David Lynch direct this? Like, what's going on? I was literally just about to say that. I was going to say, like, I would have felt like I was watching a David Lynch short <laughs> or something. Also, I kind of liked how the show, um, like, showed you these big anime that the characters were working on, the three different ones through the series. And they looked good, but they didn't look good enough that it would, like, blow your mind. Like, it was conceivable that, like, students would make something like this. Um, So that was interesting. But, like, they could have taken it in a different direction where 
like the anime that this the characters make is actually fucking awesome and is like the full capacity of what this this studio in real life is capable of making because then that would have made the viewers at home feel like the 4d actionness that the characters in the show are feeling while watching it if you know what i mean yeah i do i ultimately i think i like the decision to kind of make it a little rougher on the edges right because it does feel more believable especially given that there's they're literally like a two-person crew in terms of like actual like the creative production and then right. obviously uh parker doing the audio so like i th- i think it, it, it made sense overall and I, I think i liked uh that choice mm-hmm. i i like the fact that they use the like the assets that they show in like the development process like oh they've got this like weird little piano song at the end of the third movie and or yeah the third short that they make and like that is the song that you hear in the final and like that's the song that they're talking about and discussing and they're like oh no this is the wrong one are you sure this is the one they sent or whatever like yeah it it all adds up like it all makes sense like these are the parts that they use to put this final thing together it wouldn't make sense if the final thing was much more polished than any of the parts were you know yeah it really lent itself to the realism uh there right uh one of the things i wanted to mention just something i really liked was at the beginning of episode 10 uh that the Isaacan facing off against the teachers in that hearing is so good kenamori's like not even looking at them she's just looking up at this at the ceiling while she so talks good. to them and just pokes holes and everything. It reminded me of like the social network <laughs> where Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> is just talking to the, the Harvard board and he's like pretty much just like saying like, yeah, like what you're saying doesn't make sense. Like I, I poked, I found holes in your security system. Uh, yeah, and it was very was like, like cool. Snarkily saying everything. Like if you, if you wanted to invent Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was super cool. I, I like that scene a lot. The way she just, like, kind of, like, runs shit. And, like, I think that scene starts with her saying, like, there's so much I can poke holes in. I don't, I can't even talk right now. And then right. uh, Asakusa's like, okay, but, like, that's not good because the two of us can't talk. <laughs> uh, so right. it's, like, very much, like, once again, kind of, like, the characters, like, playing. So, like, you know exactly how they react, and that's why it's so funny. Like, her being like, yeah, but we can't talk, so, like, you have to talk. Right. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I want to say that I have a lot of sympathy for some of the stuff that goes on in the show. And like, I relate a lot to it. Like how when the animators can't animate as as many frames as they need to, then they need to resort to software to animating the in-between frames. Um, there's that shit. There's, there's a turning towards the art club to uh, fill in the backgrounds, even though they're dealing with like that one guy who keeps complaining, who's like, oh man, this director doesn't even know what she's doing. This is awful. But like, And then he does he, it wrong? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like being in a position where you're directing people, you just need to, you need to like, even if they're talking shit, you need to let them do that as long as they like eventually shut up and do their work. That's all you need from them. It doesn't matter if they're a shitter. <laughs> Yeah, and even just, yeah. like, you have to accept that you can't do everything yourself. Like, you need to offload work. Yeah. Like, sure, it might be, like, better if you did it yourself. But, like, the fact is that you don't have all the time. Like, you need to be able to offload your work. Yeah, yeah exactly. and that just, like, the communication issues that ensue when you're trying to get a bunch of different people together. And, like, the whole too many cooks thing. It's, like, everybody wants to have their say, but things aren't going to happen on time 
or according to the plan that was established by the people in charge of establishing the plan uh, unless everyone's on board and working uniformly mm-hmm. right um i think i'd be remiss if i didn't bring up two final things one of them is uh how <laughs> they have that video of uh asakusa falling off the railing that they get thirty thousand yen for <laughs> they just sell it on the i don't know where you're possibly selling this video to what like world star hip-hop um <laughs> <laughs> and they make the money and then they spend it so fast that they all pray to it or like have a moment of silence for it. Right. Right. And while she's praying, Mizusaki is like, is this supposed to be a lot of money? Like, I think, well, the, re- the two oh, of them yeah. are like, oh, God, the 30,000 is God. Right. So she's so fucking rich. Yeah. Because yeah. she says like in the first episode, she says something like my my allowance is 100,000 yen or my birthday <laughs> present was 100,000. Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, the last thing I want bonkers. to bring up is um, how the uh, the producer uh, Kanamori like kind of tricks them into making an anime about this one small like <laughs> like part of town that's about to shut down that has that like that ramen shop that they go to that's underground like in this leaky place. It's just very interesting. Oh, yeah, it's me. on like, a slant. Yeah, like we're in Toronto, Canada, and Toronto is so big that it has like. A bunch of places that look like they're run down and shut down like five years ago just imagine an anime being made for any of those streets (laughs) yeah there's there's magic in the dankest and darkest corners of any given cities put that on toronto's tourist brochure all right well on that note uh does anyone have anything else to say final thoughts anything no i think we covered everything i want to say would you guys recommend this anime? And who, to who? To whom? That's a great question. And yeah, I would recommend this anime to pretty much anybody who goes out of their way to watch anime. Like, if you're just a person who, like, anime, an anime stumbles into your life once every, like, five years, and you're like, oh, yeah, I watched One Punch Man because it's on Netflix, but that's about it. Like, maybe not that type of person. But if somebody, like, at least sees headlines online about like what the top five anime of each season could be even if they don't watch them as long as you see that headline and think about it yeah you should watch the show yeah and i think anyone in in any kind of like creative like production role like i think if even if you're just like in film i think you in like live action i think you'd still get something out of this like i think you'd still like it in the end because it, it is kind of just like a love letter to like media production in general anybody in any creative field could do it even if you're a writer just like typing away on your macbook like <laughs> alone you should watch the show it's just yeah it's the show about getting yeah. things done yeah yeah i was gonna say the exact same thing it doesn't i would recommend this to literally anybody who has like either a job or like an inkling towards creative production just at all Anyone who can appreciate how hard it is to make anything good, let alone anything at all, should watch this show. And uh, yeah, I feel like this is in my hall of greats, man. Like this is something that just sort of popped out of nowhere and hit me square in the face. And it was perfect. Nice. Agreed. Yep. It's awesome. And I think that's all we have to say on Keep Your Hands Off, Isaacan. We've been the Shonen Chumps. We still are the Shonen Chumps. 
and we will always be the Shonen Chumps? I mean, hopefully. I don't like that you phrase it as a question. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, you can... <laughs> I want to to reiterate that you can listen to us on YouTube and Apple iTunes podcasts and Spotify and SoundCloud, et cetera, et cetera. And you can email us at shonenchumps at gmail.com or tweet at us at shonenchumps. Yeah, please email us and maybe leave an iTunes rating or something because we have like four and one of them is one star with no commentary. So I don't know, yeah. man, throw us a bone. Probably a Violet Evergarden fan. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see you later and uh love you. See you space cowboy. Equivalent exchange. Dirty, tiny, grubby hands. <laughs>